Hi, I'm Sarah McLaughlin. Every week, millions of Americans try to get through hump day without the aid of Bros Let's Talk. It's a growing epidemic, and we need your help to inspire change. Follow them on Twitter at Bros Let's Talk. Search Bros Let's Talk on Facebook. Like and share the page so your friends can like it as well. Subscribe on iTunes and Google Play Podcast. With your help, you could save a bro in need of a new podcast to listen to. This message was approved by Bros Let's Talk, and that was not actually Sarah McLaughlin, just a dude with a sick impression of her. Damn, son, where'd you find this? Tuning into Bros. Let's Talk. Unique New York. Unique New York. How now, brown cow? How now, brown cow? What's up, everyone? Pat here with Jimmy and Andy for another episode of Bros Let's Talk, the podcast where guys come to be dudes. Segments today include King of the World, Get Your Popcorn Ready, Bold Strategy, and The Goat for Candy Bar, Basketball Shoe, and Movie Villain. Let's get after it. Time to shoot the ship, bros. So this story came out yesterday that the Chicago Cubs sent Steve Bartman a World Series ring. Bartman obviously is best known as the fan who interfered with Moises Alou trying to catch a foul ball during the 2003 NLCS against the then Florida Marlins. The Cubs went on to blow that game and then lose Game 7 to fail to advance the World Series. Many fans and media members were quick to blame Bartman as the sole reason for the Cubs' implosion. And the guy's world got turned upside down. He had to move out of state and did his best to seemingly disappear. This seems like a nice gesture from the Cubs organization, but I think it might be a little too little too late. Jimmy, as a Cubs fan, what are your what are your thoughts on this? Uh, I was really excited for him when I first saw the news. I know he's been uh, unfairly vilified for years. What is it, like 14 years now? Um, yep. You know, they, they were talking today on the radio. If you watch that that replay, there was like five or six other guys going for the ball, and he was just the unlucky person who happened to touch it. So it could have happened to any one of them, and for people to blame him, you go back and watch, I believe, um, someone got a hit on an 0-2 count. Um, there's a double rake down the line. Um Alex Gonzalez boots an easy double play ball to get out of the inning. They ended up giving up like seven or eight runs that inning. So to sit there and blame Steve Bartman for what happened to the Cubs was, at the time, a stereotypical Cubs move. Um, I never blamed him. I probably would have done the same thing. Um, But, Pat, getting back to your original question, I think it was a really good gesture. He came out. He made a statement. He seemed ecstatic that this happened he also said that he's not going to do an interview he doesn't want to talk about it anymore he 
he never capitalized on what happened. He never did interviews. He, 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 he wanted to be left alone. And I think that, um, that I don't think his life will ever be the same, but I do think it was a really nice gesture from the Cubs organization to kind of say, hey, sorry about what the people before us did. Here's our way of saying, our, you know, we're sorry. And, and honestly, I just hope it's done. I don't really want to hear about it anymore. I doubt he wants to talk about it anymore. So it was cool, but let the guy be. Let's move on. I was kind of in the same boat. Um, I thought it was, I guess, nice of them to reach out. I know they reached out right after they yes, won they as well to kind of just clear the air, so to speak. Um, so I thought this was a good way of um, – because they were trying to get him, like you said, to do interviews and things like that, and he declined right after they won the World Series. So this is a kind of way to say, I'm sorry, without actually having to put him in front of the cameras. You know, it's a, I mean, obviously it's publicized. They're going to do this just for the media. Um, but at the same time, it's not the Cubs that ruined this guy's life, but it was his fandom that did. Um, if, you, if you guys haven't already seen it, uh, Catching Hell, the 30 for yes. 30 documentary was one of the best I had seen in a long time. And like you were saying, Jim, those there's like five guys that they, they interview in that documentary and then show the live footage of them reaching out and trying to grab the ball. It's, it's a great documentary, but it shows how much this yeah, guy's life it was, was ruined. It was really so sad I think it was, uh, to see what happened to him. Oh yeah. People treated him. Yeah. They, they had to hide him underground and take him, like underneath the stadium for like two or three hours after the game because people were waiting outside to find him. Um, anyway, back to the original point. thought it was a nice gesture. Um, like you said, I hope it goes away. I don't think it it ever will because it's one of those iconic right, moments right. in sports, um, especially because we're in Chicago. But hopefully, hopefully at least the guy's feeling better about his situation with a ring. I personally kind of hoped that once they made it for him, he – like toss it down a drain somewhere. That, that actually would have been but... pretty funny, and I wouldn't have blamed him had he done that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think it was a classic case of honestly just the wrong place at the wrong time. Yeah, like you guys more. said, everyone everyone was reaching for the ball that was sitting in that section, and on top of wrong place, wrong time, I think it's just at the wrong guy too. Unfortunately, because clearly you look at him, he's sitting at the game. He's got like a turtleneck under a sweatshirt. He's got his headphones on listening to the radio broadcast when he's sitting in the front row at the NLCS. Clearly, he's more of an introverted person. And then for this to happen, I respect him a lot, actually, for not ever ever coming out and doing interviews. He totally could have cashed in on this. And oh, yeah. he could have really rubbed the Cubs the wrong way and just made a shit ton of money off doing interviews for, for being that guy. But he didn't. And I, when you look at it, he is someone who is a true Cubs fan through and through. Because like I said, he could have totally taken advantage of his situation, but he didn't. He didn't want any part of the limelight. He was his, The statement that he made, he was clearly really excited for the Cubs to have won the World Series finally. He appreciated the gesture. I, I personally would like to see him do maybe one interview just now and just doesn't have to be long, just kind of discuss really what happened because – Everyone knows that he got moved out of state and he had to transfer jobs. All this crazy stuff, his life got uprooted. 
I would like to hear his perspective of things just because he was so unfairly vilified. Because like we said, if any of us were in that situation, we'd be reaching for the ball. And I think part of it too, which elicited such a terrible reaction for everyone, was the way that Moises Alou originally reacted when he came down and he was like yelling in the crowd and he was super pissed. But this stuff happens still at baseball games all the time. It's just not under the microscope because the team hadn't been to a World Series at that point in like 90-some years. And they were, what, six outs away from going to the World Series. So it was it was just under such a huge microscope. And it seems like he has some closure now a little bit. Like you said, his life will never be the same. But I think it is a good gesture by the Cubs to kind of water under the bridge you know we support you as a cubs fan and we don't condone any of these you know terrible responses that you got from people who consider themselves cubs fans or sports media but hopefully yeah hopefully you can just live a normal life now you know what i mean right. it's just right. I, I could you imagine being in that situation where and and not only that, it's like you said, they had to keep him hidden for like two to three hours yeah, because he sticks him. out. Plus, he sticks out like a sore thumb. It's not like he was just a, or a regular Cubs fan there with a Cubs jersey on or like Cubs wearing a Cubs shirt. Jersey or He's got something, a green right. turtleneck underneath a black sweatshirt with headphones on. I mean, he, that guy is going to stick out like a sore he thumb. He was a very easy target, very easy scapegoat, and people were more comfortable doing that than, than facing the fact that the team just collapsed. So good for the Cubs, all in all. Uh, moving on to the next shooting the shit. Um, Jason Whitlock of Idiot. FS1 on uh, on the show Speak for Yourself um, came out, I think, this morning, maybe yesterday, um, and was talking about Odell Beckham Jr. And football season's right around the corner, so now all these storylines come popping up about football teams and fantasy football and all the players and whatnot and as fs1 does they they try and get their hot takes out there to generate their their audience and jason whitlock is no stranger um so he came out and said that odo beckham jr would be an unknown football player if it wasn't for his blonde hair now first of all Odell Beckham Jr. came on the scene because of one of the greatest catches of all time. Probably the greatest catch Not because he had, yeah, situationally not not the best, but From a pure athletic standpoint, that was was the best catch of ever I'm pretty sure the three of us were watching that together live at Riley's. I think we were. I think think we were Anyway, he burst on the scene for that, and now he's probably top three receiver in the league, I'd say. Uh, five not sure. top five. Um, right. So he is a freak athlete. He catches anything that comes near him. And granted, his blonde hair sticks out, and that's kind of his thing. But that is not the reason that people know who Odell Beckham Jr. is. People know who Odell Beckham Jr. is because he's a hell of a receiver. People play fantasy football, so they know who the hell he is, even if they're not in New York. So Jason Whitlock... And all these FS1 guys just going on their tangents and everything. What do you guys got on it? Well, I think that no one would know who Jason Whitlock was if he didn't wear those stupid-ass fedoras and have shit spewing out of his mouth constantly with his stupid takes. So he should be one to talk. I mean, you you pretty much said it all, Andy. Odell Beckham 
Jr. is one of the best receivers in the NFL. He runs ridiculously precise routes. He catches literally everything that is within reach of him. Uh, he seemingly scores, you know, multiple 60-plus yard touchdowns every year. He's a threat to score every single time he touches the football. And I know later on in the interview, he kind of backtracked a little bit, saying that his his celebrity is overrated. But he mentioned the blonde hair as a signature. You look around, there's like an influx of young African-American kids that have that hairstyle. Look at LaMelo Ball, for example. LeBron James think, Jr. has right. it. Yeah, you think that that's a coincidence that they're all just decided to have the same hairstyle as Odell Beckham Jr.? No, this guy is a bona fide superstar in the NFL, and his antics make him must-watch TV every week. He had the stuff with the kicking net last year. I personally think that he needs to try and get his emotions in check a little bit better if he ever wants to be a a really great football player. But you look at his numbers for the first three seasons, and he's on Hall of Fame pace that no other receiver has really been on as far as catches, yards, and touchdowns. So to, to look at his numbers and say that he's overrated is just complete ignorance. Yeah. Any asshole can go out there with a haircut. You have to be a superstar for people to catch on to it. Joakim Noah, while he was great in Chicago, had a funky-ass haircut the for entire the entire time career. People, Look at Dennis Rodman. People he used are not, to dye his hair yeah. like every other week. And, and yeah, people would talk about it. And he maybe got endorsement deals and stuff. I remember the, the McDonald's cups they used to have where you'd fill it up and his hair would change color. Like, that was so cool. Yep. But he was also a top defender in the league, led the league in rebounds, like, most of the time that he was in the league, yeah, people look goofy and that might be their trademark, but if they're doing it on the field or on the court, whatever sport they're playing, you can't really argue against it. I, I, I don't even know how to how to adequately discuss such an ignorant and pure ratings uh I mean, he hates opinion. black people. Jason I, I Whitlock I, hates I, black people. I don't people. understand it like that. That is that's just pure stupidity, and he's probably making millions of dollars to talk about that. Like, hey, Jason, what do you got for today? Odell Beckham Jr. wouldn't be nothing without his blonde hair. Okay, great. Go ahead and talk about it. Like, I, 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 I honestly don't even understand or or really even care to to try and figure out what was going through his head, other than he wanted people to talk about it. Like that's just that is pure yeah, all those, stupidity, and he knows it. He knows it. It's all the assholes over at FS1, Skip Bayless, oh, Colin gosh. Coward, just all of them. They they pile on top of each other with their stupid. Colin Coward takes. still will not and, give the the people that yeah. <laughs> motivated us and that we look up to to having our own podcast podcast credit for when they do something. Like that's how. That's how selfish and ignorant and I don't, I don't even know what to say about them well he he finally did give them their due respect yes you're right last he week did about the mike tyson interview but he read pardon my take like he had never heard of it before in his entire life when right. you know you know damn anyone well in the sports industry and honestly this is more it's a microcosm of how pathetic the sports media field has become to where 
they don't care about journalism integrity anymore. They just want to put someone on the air who's going to say the most ridiculous things and have people on Twitter and Facebook and every other social media site arguing over it day after day after day. And it's sad. It really is. Now, this this was not planned, I promise you. But, Pat, that was the perfect segue into what I'm going to talk about right now. Perfect. I was even going to use the word microcosm and social media in what I was going to talk about. So very nicely done. It's like, it's like one it's mind. It's like one mind. That's why we're so good at taboo. Okay, so um, I'm scrolling through my Twitter, and I read this article. I believe the survey was done by J.D. Power, and Darren Ravel wrote his own article about it, future ex-friend of the show, by the way. Um, and the article, or the, the title of the article is how um, NFL ratings have gone down because of protests, which, of course, we've, we've talked about here, Colin Kaepernick started. So if, if you read just the title and like the first paragraph of the article, you would, you would believe that people, less people are watching the NFL because of protests. In fact, it says, I believe 26% of people who watch fewer games do so because of the protests. What, what you don't see until much, much later in the article is that 9,200 people, so 9,200 people were surveyed. Of those 9,200 people, 12% of people said they watch less. Okay? So now we're down to 900 people actually watch less. Of those 900 people who watch less, 26% watch less because of the protests. So now we're down to 287 people out of 9,200 watch the NFL less because of the protests. It also doesn't tell you in the title that 2,600 roughly actually watch more NFL than they, than they did last year. And I don't have the exact number in front of me, but I believe it was like three to 5,000 watch about the same. So basically, that little tidbit about how 26% of people watch less because of protests has nothing to do with that survey. Nothing. What the article should have said was more people are watching the NFL last year than in previous years. But, Pat, like you said, it, it's a microcosm of social media. They put that, that blurb in the title, and people will click on it, they'll read a paragraph, and they'll come to the conclusion that less people are watching the NFL than in years past. However, if you did a little bit more research, just like within anything you see, especially on Facebook, you would find out that's not true. Pat, you just alluded to it. We've talked about it on here before. What are your guys' thoughts about, about this particular article and how information is disseminated in general right now? I mean, clickbaiting is, to me, the most frustrating thing on the Internet, not even just with sports, but across all forms of entertainment. Darren Ravel is probably the worst when it comes to sports journalists. Yes. Everything that he posts out there is, like you said, it's a catch headline grab that he just wants people to click on his article and then you start reading it. And like you say, it, it takes about three to four minutes into his articles to get the actual information that you're looking for out of like the same thing. I, I saw that article and my first thought is, wow, NFL ratings were down last year. That's kind of hard to believe. And then you start reading it. You're like, no, it's not down at all. It's just for the people that said they watched fewer last year. 12% you know, of people watch less. Right, 12% of people watch less and 26% of those 900 people or whatever you said. Right. That was because of the national anthem stuff. And, it, yeah, it's just an unfortunate 
thing that seems to become more and more common. There's this one Facebook page that I like. It's called it's moviepilot.com. And I see a lot of stuff about like comic book movies and TV shows. They really post a lot of stuff. And I end up clicking and reading on most of it. But a lot of the times it'll be like, the, the title of the article will be completely deceiving from what's actually within the contents of the article. And then I read the comments afterwards and the top 50 comments are all clickbait bullshit. You guys suck. Like, this is why no one likes you. And it's, it's frustrating because I just want the information that I'm looking for. And I don't want to have to sift through an article for five minutes in order to find it. Agreed. It's so annoying. Agreed. It's just the bullshit that like, buzzfeed and huffington post and everything like that is kind of created to where they're just they literally generate money by people clicking on their articles so now it's become like you said pat that clickbait to where you go in there that generates their revenue because all their ads are inside the article and all they have to do is get people to go inside there they don't they don't really give a shit if people read the entire thing or anything like that they just need people to go into the article so that they get the ad revenue and like that so now every single story that comes out is going to be some some sort of headline grab that gets people to come in, and then the content of the article is just kind of bullshit. So I'm just echoing what you guys said, but right. it's it's frustrating, especially on Twitter when when you can literally only see like a headline in exactly. in a tweet, and then you go you have to click exactly. the article. So well, that's the thing. It's it's frustrating because I actually used to genuinely enjoy going through like ESPN.com and just reading the article by article just to see what's going on and, and actual, like I said, journalistic integrity and people that really had pride in their job and took it very seriously. And now, you know, that's why on Twitter, I'm like really careful about who I follow now. I recently went through and got rid of a lot of accounts that I follow. I really just want to follow... Like I said, like standard journalists, guys that still write for like a newspaper website or because those are the guys where, you know, it's hard because they used to write for the print and the, you know, newspaper publications, a dying breed. A lot of it's moved to websites already. And you know that these guys still have pride in what they do. And every article that they put out is well thought out. It's been edited. It's been rewritten. And you know that you're getting some something that someone put a lot of time and effort into rather than, like you said, something that's just a headline grab. So when you click on it, it's another view on their page and more money for their advertising. Yeah, that's why I'm a big fan. I don't know. I think we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. I don't remember if it was during the show or after we we're done. I'm a big fan of the Athletic Chicago for what you just said, Pat, because they have a bunch of guys who and girls who just who just write and are really good at writing and want to tell you a story about what they saw through their writing, not through clickbait, not through a video. It's 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 really good stuff. And I'm like you. I, I've I've become very selective of who I follow on Twitter and on social media. Because I want to read real, genuine content. So while we're on the subject of social media, Facebook is a giant within the industry. They kind of paved the way for modern day social media, I guess you could say. And they were in the news this past week. Usually when you see Facebook in the news, their stories are about the innovations they're working on in terms of the social media spectrum. And this would have been one of those stories, if not for a weird turn that it took. So here's the backstory: Facebook had been testing the use of chatbots, 
which are basically robots who have designed who are designed to have short text-based conversations with humans or other bots. They've been experimenting with said bots with the purpose of negotiating with each other over ownership of virtual items. I guess the end goal was to understand how linguistics played a role in these discussions uh, for the negotiating parties. And the bots were programmed to experiment with language in order to see how it affected their dominance in the discussion. So they're really just trying to make advancements on this, it sounds like. But things took a turn in the wrong direction as the bots started communicating in what seemed like a new language that they had created. Tech sites tried to downplay this, saying simply saying the bots found a way to simplify the language. I don't buy that, though, okay? I've seen iRobot and Terminator before and this to me is scary as fuck like what are your guys thoughts i feel like robots are getting ready to take over the world the first thing that i thought when i saw this was straight out of terminator judgment day and everything like that where the bots are the robots are becoming so sophisticated now with the artificial intelligence and everything like that that now this is the biggest thing is that they developed a, their own language to communicate with each other the next thing is they're going to figure out how to disable that power button so that Mark Zuckerberg can't turn that shit off. And then it's literally going to be Judgment Day. We're all going to be fucked. So, Pat, uh, initially when you started talking about that, I my first thought was, oh, just another company with an ass load of money that doesn't know what to do with it, so they're doing this. And then you know, the, the more you guys – I mean, that think about that. They – they develop their own language so they can communicate with each other. Why? Why would they do that? Because they don't want other people or beings knowing what that like. Why? What's what's the point of doing that? I don't know. Um, Mark Zuckerberg is the new Miles Dyson. Let's hope not. That'd be really friggin' scary. Um, <laughs> thank you. Nice reference. Um, but yeah, it just that that is. That is pretty terrifying to think about, and let's. I mean, obviously, it's, it's it's being downplayed. I think you said Pat by, by tech professionals. It's being downplayed because what you just said, is the truth, not what they're saying. They're just like, oh no, it's fine. Don't don't worry about it. No, you know damn well they're all worried and trying to hopefully fix it as we speak. Well, I think it comes back to to it's. I feel like our whole lives we've been hearing that. One day, technology is going to go too far, and once it overtakes human interaction, that's when the world is going to end, and all this stuff. And, and it's something that we always have downplayed because, like, oh, we'll never see that in our lifetimes. But it's insane thinking about the advancements in technology since when we were kids to now. Like, the things that kids grow up with compared to what we grew up with, it's crazy. Like, we had cell phones when I, I had my first cell phone in eighth grade so i was 13 but it was a giant flip phone that i would call and make texts and i would have those like shitty ringtones whatever you used to call it i, I forget what they call them but it was just like shitty like samples played of like a tupac song Dude, and i was you, so pumped you can find someone to date or someone to bang via an app on your cell phone you can do everything on your phone now it's <laughs> It is crazy. I mean, don't get me wrong. I utilize technology to the fullest right now because it is nice to have all these things at your fingertips at any time. Right. But at the same time, it, it does 
kind of freak you out a little bit thinking about, okay, so technology has come this far. We've heard about all like the, you've seen the movies about the robot uprisings and taking over the world. And now there's literally companies like Facebook, and I'm sure there's other ones out there that are working on it that are testing bots to communicate with humans. Yeah. Like why, why is it necessary? Yeah. It's like, really Facebook, can't you just like hire some more people to have, I'm sure people could use the job out there. Why are we already trying to hand over our jobs to robots just so they can master those and then develop their own language and take over the world? I remember when the glory days of Facebook before it became Skynet when you would go on and see how hammered your friends got over the weekend who went off to college and you don't get to talk to them anymore. Now it's here and it's sad. I miss MySpace. Tom had the right idea. Tom did have the right idea. Good for him making his seven hundred. He was just chilling. He just wanted to talk to his friends. He he didn't care about robots taking over the world. I'm scared. Scary. It's scary. I I completely agree. Going on to something less scary. Um, The MLB trade deadline was yesterday at three p.m. I believe, Um, and there were some pretty big trades that happened right at the deadline which it always seems to happen that way that one of them comes out like 30 seconds before the deadline um you darvish to the la dodgers which is becoming somewhat of a super team out west um and sunny gray to the yankees um both teams did not give up a ton at least from my perspective i mean the dodgers are freaks already and they just got a whole hell of a lot better with darvish added to that rotation um i think they went like 22 and 3 in july or something like that just absurd numbers they've won something like 42 out of their last 46 games or something insane it's crazy yeah and then you go and add probably the most coveted for her uh trade deadline target um so that's going on out west. Then the Yankees, who died down a little bit the last few months, but then they're starting to get their mojo back, go out and get the next best uh, pitching trade deadline acquisition. Um, and that was Sonny Gray from the A's. A's. From the A's, yeah. Is he on yeah. the A's? Yeah. Um, so both teams, I think, got a ton better. Um, like I said, both didn't really give up a whole ton in the way of prospects. But pretty scary for, I guess, the Cubs in the NL, and then Boston. Uh, they're kind. Of, Boston and the Yankees are kind of going back and forth with their trades, trying to just outmatch the other. Uh, what do you guys think? Um, I think that, especially with the Sonny Gray acquisition, the Yankees really pulled the fast one on the A's because they didn't have to give up either of their top. I think it was two or three prospects: Clint Frazier yeah. and. And I forget the other guys, Torres, but they, they yeah, they wanted Glaber Torres, right? Mm-hmm. And what they did end up trading is two prospects who have potential, but both are injured right now. One just messed up their knee, and the other one had Tommy John surgery. So there's the Billy Bean we would, know. Yeah, right, Moneyball, right? Yep. You gotta take the the players that everyone else undervalues. But I thought that was a huge trade. Obviously, with the Dodgers, like you said, they've been the best team all year. 
They lost Kershaw for four to six weeks, so it's important for them to add someone like Darvish who can come in and kind of keep them afloat until Kershaw can get back. And then obviously when you go into the playoffs, you have a nice one-two punch there. They've got, I can't remember the guy's name. He's a rookie, but he's having a great year for them too. Who, on what team? And then they, on the Dodgers. Seager? He was like, no, he's a pitcher. Oh, He was Wood. undefeated. Alex Wood, I think. Wood. Alex Wood, yeah. And then they got Rich Hill. So that's a pretty solid four-man rotation, although three lefties. So that could be tough for the Cubs. But the Cubs themselves made a, a trade right you know, that day, yesterday as well. And they got Justin Wilson is his name. Yes. Closer from the Tigers yes. and Alex Avila, who's going to be a backup catcher, really good clubhouse guy. The Cubs' bullpen is pretty lights out right now. Yeah. And obviously they're playing good baseball, so I think that those, that trade for them keeps them right in the running with the Dodgers as well. And I'm, I'm looking forward to hopefully a rematch in the NLCS for those guys. So just real quick, I screenshotted this yesterday. I forgot to send it to you guys. So John Heyman uh, tweets, Couldn't have been easy for Tigers GM Al Avila to trade his son Alex. Good news. He talks about a bunch of stuff, whatever. And then Big Cat replies, Theo is so ruthless, he literally will take your firstborn son. <laughs> yeah, I actually. That's what you got to do to win World Series, though. Yeah, so my, my thoughts on it are, first of all, I think the Sonny Gray trade is great for the Yankees. I don't think anyone's beating the Astros in the American League anyway, so while it might get them to, to face that, to play them in the uh, American League championship, I still think the Astros are going to the World Series. Um you know, this Dodger team is, uh, someone tweeted, a potential once-in-a-generation type team. And they may be 100% right about that, and they just get better with adding Hugh Darvish. Um, it makes me a little nervous as a Cubs fan, but also seeing how we handled them last year and seeing how Kershaw craps the bat every year in the playoffs. I'm not, I'm not, I still like our chances as much as anyone else. And the Cubs are just starting to hit their stride. John Lester too. hit a home run today. Man. I mean, what does that tell you? Yeah, I saw that. Um, but they've—I think they're the best team since the, uh, break, since yes. the break. So they're they're right in the ship, just like everybody else thought. Um, I think they definitely have to be scared about what the Dodgers did out there. Um, but it, like you said, it should be an awesome. Hopefully, they'll match up. I mean, the, that should be a the, fun. Uh, yeah, the postseason. You're, you're probably going to see Cubs. If obviously if they hold on to win Cubs and uh, Nationals round one, and then the winner of that round you'll see most likely take on the Dodgers. So that's some pretty damn good playoff baseball. Yep. Absolutely. All right, all right. Going into our first um, segment, uh, King of the World. I'm the King of the World. <laughs> This is basically just a who is just at the top of their game right now. Um, people that we're maybe jealous of going on in the world. Just they're really tip top. They're making all the news and everything like that. And so, Pat, why don't you start with yours? All right. So my king of the world for this week is The Rock, better known as Dwayne Johnson. He's been killing it for a while now, but I felt like it was finally time to give this man his due praise. He was named the highest paid actor for 2016, pulling in a massive $64.5 million. It's crazy. And in the 
Yeah, it's insane. And in the past year alone, he starred in Central Intelligence, Moana, Fate of the Furious, and Baywatch, as well as his as the lead role in the successful HBO show Ballers. He, he's got a lot on his plate through next year as well. He's the lead in the upcoming Jumanji reboot, as well as Rampage, which is based off the classic 80s, 90s video game series. Just finished. So that should just be, wrapped up filming that. Yeah in post-production so that should be pretty good too he's also slated to star in san andreas 2 the jansen directive jungle cruise journey to the center of the earth 3 doc savage black adam skyscraper and big trouble in little china which is a remake of the classic 80s movie starring kurt russell so i guess you could Shit. right and that's all within the next two or three years i think he it was. literally so, goes from one movie to the next yeah, like he does it's not insane. he does and, not take and, a break and that movie jungle cruise it's a disney, it's a disney movie yeah. but the guy who is directing it actually was ta- was linked to be the director for suicide squad 2 and he left that project in order to work with the rock wow Wow. So that pretty much says it all right there because everything he is in pretty much does awesome in the box office, and obviously he reaps the benefits of that. So, so I guess you could call him the king of the reboots as well. So he's he's filming a Disney movie that a director from a DC movie left to work with him while he's also be filming a DC movie later. So he just he just literally right. does whatever he wants. What and DC movie is he in? He's Black Adam. Black Adam. Oh, right, right, right. It's the bad guy in Shazam, or he's the anti-hero, I guess you'd consider him. Correct. And on top of his movie success, he launched a successful line of workout clothes with Under Armour last year and seemingly has a partnership with Apple now as well, as I've been seeing all these Siri times the Rock commercials, which are pretty funny. And there's also rumors swirling that he may be considering making a run for president in 2020. Um, If I were him... I'd just continue to dominate Hollywood and rack up those checks. But all in all, not bad for a guy that all of us know best for saying phrases such as, do you smell what the rock is cooking? Jabroni and it doesn't matter what you think. Pat, do do you remember this was, geez, I don't even remember how, this was like 15, maybe even like 20 years ago. We were visit. We went up to visit Kara at uh, St. Norbert's, and we went to. We stopped at a restaurant. I think it was at Baker Square, and the waitress said to me, "Oh, would you like dessert?" And I said, "Yes." Do you have any poontang pie? <laughs> having no idea, having no idea what it meant as a child, and the waitress looked at me like I was an asshole. Pretty sure Mom slapped me upside in my head, and I was like, "What?" And coincidentally, on the drive up there, I was reading The Rock's biography, autobiography at the time. And after that incident, found out what that meant. That's so awesome. the Rock's always held a special place. I do remember life. that. It was one of my finer moments, <laughs> so, I guess you could say. And that's why the Rock is my king of the world this week. Very, very nice. All right, my king of the world is um, none other than Wardell Curry. Most of you know him as Steph. Um, so he won his second NBA championship in three years this past June. Then the month after, signs a five-year, $201 million contract, I think, to become the uh, highest-paid player in the NBA ever. Um, he was in episode one of this current season of Ballers, Pat. He actually uh, 
he got on the Under Armour plane and asked uh, Aisha to join the Mile High Club. Um, he appears to be happily married and has two kids. And the icing on this Brownie Earthquake Sunday for him is he was last seen in a video mocking LeBron James at a wedding. Um, Kyrie Irving, LeBron's starting point guard for now, is on the dance floor laughing at him. So you just beat this guy in the finals. You're mocking the best player in the world, and he's laughing at you. Like, you, you're you the king of the world right now. I, I don't think I have to say anything else. Yep. Then he showed up to a random house party after the oh, wedding. I saw and that. Chug beers with some random people. So he's just living a great life right His now. His shirt was that- soaking wet. You could tell he just hopped in. It was like, hey, I'm Steph. What's up? Could you imagine just stone cold and beers? <laughs> could you imagine getting a knock on the door and it's like Steph Curry? I forget. There was another player that was with them too. I think Kent Bazemore was with them. Could you imagine two NBA players walking up to your house, and be like, "Hey, can we party with you guys?" I like, uh, I, I uh, wouldn't think yeah. it was real. That's five awesome. bucks for a cup. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Damn straight. Oh, that's awesome. regular people. All right. My king of the world. Um, He's been a lot of people's king of the world for a very long time. Um, Michael Jeffrey Jordan. And the reason for that, this week, um, they just unveiled the Jumpman NBA jerseys for Charlotte. Which are very sharp. Awesome, awesome, awesome. They just, I think last year, the year before, they got into the Michigan football jerseys. Um, he's, He's killing it on all platforms as he usually does and then same thing jimmy the reason that i brought it up this week over any other week um lavar ball came at him and obviously a few months ago said that he could beat mj and back him down into the post pump fake him with a right hook and then just call a foul on him every single time which is what i guess lavar ball considers beating mj um so for the longest time mj He's not worth it, to be honest, um, to go at him. But finally, MJ came out. He was tired of the chirping. And he came out and said, Var Ball averaged 2.2 points per game in the NBA. Not even I the NBA. Be, yeah, yeah. In college. Right, in college. Um, so MJ came out and said that I could beat him without one leg. And I think everybody pretty much agrees with that. But it's one of those cases and i think i used this last week but you come at the king and you best not best not miss like mj just coming back and quietly being like yeah dude fuck this guy i could kill him my sleep kill him without one leg and that's why he's the greatest he can do those subtle jabs and still killing the entire sports world game so that's why he's my king of the world this week when did you see lavar ball's clap back what yeah, he said, he came out on Twitter, he's like, you play on one leg, I'll play with one arm. Has to be pay-per-view, but you won't do it. No. What, and then, and then he the also... The guy's worth a billion also, dollars. Why, why would he do that? Right? If anything, he should be trying to sweeten up to MJ to try and get that billion-dollar shoe deal that he wants. Yeah, he's about the only guy who could give it to him, maybe. But he's never going to happen. No, never. All right, on to our next segment, which is Get Your Popcorn Ready where we talk all things movies. Yeah, get your popcorn ready.
going to jump right into it. Jimmy, why don't you get us started? All right, so I've been seeing previews the last couple weeks of The Dark Tower with Idris Elba, Matthew McConaughey, um, and I have zero background of it. Um, it. It just looks like what I think is, is a really good movie. So when I did some, I typed in uh, um, The Dark Tower today in Google to see you know when it's playing, check out some showtimes, and I found out just how much of a hassle this movie was to make. And... How they, Isn't it based off a book, a Stephen, Stephen King book? I think. I think Stephen King books. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. It's a it's a series. And um, they they lost or like several directors stepped down. Um, there's like uh, there's like two production companies in charge of this movie, and each has like vetoing power if they don't like a trailer or how a certain scene looks. Like it has to be scrapped. It does not matter what the other thinks so i guess this movie was was slated to be made like 10 years ago and never got made and and they've been having problems with with reshoots and i guess when 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 the movie tested i think last year without any of the, the digital effects like people were not were not happy with it but my first thought is well no shit there i mean it's like watching star wars without digital effects of course you're not going to be happy about it anyways i still think it looks great i know you guys have talked about it um, I, I, I kind of like the fact that I knew nothing about it and I kind of wish I didn't do my research. Um, it's not going to stop me from seeing the movie, but, um, what I know you guys had said you wanted to see it. Have you changed your mind? You still looking forward to it? I mean, I, I actually originally put that down as what I was going to do and then I ended up changing my movie. So I, I'm really excited to see it still. I mean, it's got... Like you said, Idris Elba and Matthew McConaughey. It's pretty much all you need to say when there's two actors like that going head to head. Agreed. They can actors can carry a shitty script sometimes. I'm hoping that's not the case with this movie, but also we saw the preview for it. I think when we saw Spider-Man: Homecoming, yeah, yeah, yeah. and it looks really good. So I'm excited for it. I'm not gonna let something like that discourage me. I know this kind of stuff happens in Hollywood more often than I think we know, just because unless you look into it you don't really find out but i know that the movie passengers that came out this last year with chris pratt took like 10 years to get made and actually keanu reeves was trying to get that made and star in it for like 10 years and then they were like chris pratt is more popular right now we're putting him in it so he didn't get to star in it but he was still a producer on the movie so this kind of stuff happens more often than i than we think and i'm not gonna let it discourage me from seeing it at all All right, Andy, you want to go? Yeah, sure. Um, so my movie, um, I originally was going to do Stephen King's It. That was, those, I almost did that too. And I almost did those, this movie you're doing. So those trailers have been popping up and it looks fucking terrible. haven't watched a single one. See, and I don't, and I I don't like scary movies one. at all. I don't like scary movies, but I'm so intrigued by this. Hell no. You let yeah. me know how it anyway. turns out. <laughs> I, I, w- I will. I'll probably end up seeing it. Um, anyway, the movie that I did pick is called Suburbicon, and it's kind of unknown at this point. It's just starting to surface with some buzz. I've certainly never heard of um, it. It is written by the Coen brothers, mm. and it's directed by George Clooney, uh, starring Matt Damon and Julianne Moore. Matt Damon is a guy that kind of gets into the, into it with a gambling debt with the mob. And ends up kind of taking matters into his own hands from what it looks like. 
Um, just it being the reason I'm sort of pumped for it um, is just I'm same way with how I was with Dunkirk. Anything that the Coen brothers touch, I'm really intrigued by. Um, you kind of get that aspect of dark comedy um, that they're sort of known for. And I, I've loved pretty much every movie that they've put out. So this one, no exception, comes out November 3rd. I'm sure more and more trailers will start, will start to pop up. But the first one dropped, I think, a few days ago. Really good. It looks, it looks super, really good. Yeah, it looks look it funny and looks like it's action-packed with the mob and everything like that. So that's what I'm excited for is Suburbicon November 3rd. Yeah, I just watched the trailer. I had been reading into it a little bit, and then when I saw you had it on the list, I watched the trailer earlier. And it's just like you said, the Coen brothers do such a good job of that dark comedy. And for those of you who might not know, the Coen brothers did Fargo, the movie, and they did Hail Caesar, I think it was, two years ago. And my favorite part of the trailer was, you know, Matt Damon, when he starts going kind of nuts or whatever, and there's like a big explosion in the background. And he, like, looks at it all scared, and then he just turns around, and he starts riding away on this tiny-ass tricycle where yeah, his legs are moving, like, 100 miles a minute, and he's barely moving at all. So it's just little things like that that they throw in there that really add a lot to their movies. I'm excited about that one, too. Two good choices. I'm going to move to a less serious movie, I guess you would say, and I'm going to talk about Goon, The Last of the Enforcers. So... This is a sequel to the 2011 movie Goon, which stars Sean William Scott of American Pie fame. And let's be honest, Steve Stifler is probably one of the best movie characters to ever grace the screen. For sure. He's just hilarious. But anyway, uh, the first movie became a bit of a cult classic, similar to how Slapshot did when it came out back in the day. It was one of those movies that it was on Netflix, and I just threw it on uh, to have on in the background. I didn't really expect anything out of it. And I ended up watching it all the way through, and I was laughing my ass off the entire time. So, if you haven't seen it, the premise of the first one is basically uh, Sean William Scott's character, Doug Glatt. He's, like, in a really smart family. His stepdad and his stepbrother are both doctors, and he is kind of the outcast. He's a bouncer at a bar, and he goes out to a minor league hockey game with his friend Pat, who is played by Jay Baruchel. And Pat gets really obnoxious and starts yelling at all the players. And one of the players actually comes into the crowd to confront him. And Doug basically just beats the shit out of him. And the the team offers him a contract to become their enforcer. And the rest of the movie, he kind of re, re-energizes the team. And it, he's basically, he's a goon. He just goes out there and he fights. Um, and it's, it's really funny. And it's, uh, it's got a pretty good cast. Liev Schreiber's in it, and Eugene Levy, and Kim Coates, better known as oh, Tig yeah, from Tig. Sons of Anarchy. Is this movie so still on this, Netflix? I think so. If it is, you should definitely watch it. Yeah. It's, 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 it's good. Yeah, so. It's a good watch. I did the exact same thing, Pat, where I just kind of stumbled upon it, and right? I think somebody had told me about it. I just threw it on just one day while I was sitting on the couch, and I ended up loving it. Yeah, so the second one comes out next month, September 1st, and it takes place a few years after the events of the first one. Uh, I watched the trailer the other day, and I'm really excited for it. Uh, it says on IMDb that uh, basically the premise of this one, he's, he's moved on from hockey after taking too many hits, and he's married, has a kid on the way. He's settling into a life as an insurance salesman, but then his arch nemesis, who delivered 
his final blow, I guess you would say, is traded to and named captain of his old team, and ownership's threatened to tear the team apart, so he compels him to make a comeback. And some of the early reviews are in, and it's so far it's getting a better rating than the first movie, which a lot of times wow. you don't really see the sequel you know, get better reviews than the original. So I'm all in on this one. And again, if you haven't seen the first one, highly recommend it. It's hilarious. And it's uh, I consider it like a diamond in the rough. And I expect nothing less from the second Good one. Good to know. So that's mine. I'm, I'm going to check that out. Thank you for the recommendation. Not a problem, brother. So that brings us to... Oh, our uh, bold strategy. Um, so this is... <laughs> This is uh, I think this is one of my one of my favorite um, topics that we do. This is where we're going to discuss people who uh, who may do things a little uh, unorthodox or completely out of whack, and we're going to uh, shed some light on it. So, Patroclus, why don't you begin? All right, my bold strategy goes out to Willa Ford, former singer who is best known for her early 2000s song, I Wanna Be Bad, which, honestly, I can't even tell you what that song sounds like. Nor can I. I, I, so, I wanna be bad. Okay. Still have no Kinda idea. Kind of bell a little bit. So it peaked at that, number... That didn't do it for you? <laughs> no, but please try again. <laughs> I wanna be bad. Oh, that, that song. Yeah. There See? you go. I, See? I, I still got just, nothing. Just had to hit the right still pitch. Still got nothing. So, <laughs> the song peaked at number 22 on the Billboard Hot 100 when it came out, and she came into the spotlight at the same time, like Britney Spears, Christina Aguilera, Jessica Simpson, all them were on the rise, and she seemed destined for the same type of success that they experienced. And then all of a sudden, she seemingly disappeared from Earth until she did a recent interview with Billboard like a week or two ago. And the reason for her fall from grace, according to Ford herself, 9-11, of course, because what else would it have been? What? <laughs> so, according, <laughs> according to this article on Billboard, Ford said the following. A lot of people don't realize this, but my second single was released on September 11th, 2001. Nobody Everything, realizes this. What are you talking yeah, about? Right. Everything that happened that day froze the world stood still as it should have my second single didn't do well because anything that launched that day kind of got canned i know that sounds silly but on the radio they slate things but it really fell to the wayside so she later went on she kind of backtracked a little bit she said that you know it wasn't the exact reason for why it didn't succeed she said that that day made her take a step back and realize that what she was doing wasn't fulfilling and she didn't want to pursue the music industry anymore but the thing that i found most interesting about this situation is by doing some quick wikipedia research i found that her second album actually didn't come out until december 4th 2001 so while her single was debuted that day, she still had a solid two months for that song to play on the radio and try and resonate with her fan base. To me, I look at this and think that your second album probably sucked, and that's why your music career came to a halt. But 
She, like I said, she backtracked, but the damage was done. Yeah. Americans, AKA, they don't... I fucked up and said a really stupid thing, and now I'm going to come right. back and try. No, there's no going back from that level of disrespect you just spewed, you idiot. Exactly. Americans don't like to hear people blame their hardships on probably the worst tragedy to ever happen on American soil. Yes. And unfortunately, she's not the first celebrity to use this excuse. Mariah Carey said a while back that her movie debut in the movie Glitter, which is loosely based off her life, suffered the same 9-11 effect, and that's why it was deemed a failure. And more recently, Aaron Carter said that he got addicted to weed from anxiety of the 9-11 attacks, and that's why he had it when he got arrested for DUI 16 years later. Okay, but. I was, let's see, I was 14, I believe, when 9-11 happened, so Aaron Carter was, what, 9, 10? <laughs> right? Beating Shaq in a basketball game. Yeah, there game. you go. Yeah, I mean, that's how he beat Shaq. Even, it was the weed. Even if he was my age... Or, or, or right around my age. That That is the lamest excuse I've ever heard. Indeed. Besides but this Willa Ford's. I was going to say, this is not about them. This is about Willa Ford. So, Willa, not sure what you were thinking there. It's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for them. Oh, that song. Okay. okay. Still have no idea what the hell it is. <laughs> Nice sound, All right. Andy. Appreciate it. Um, my bold strategy goes out to our wonderful NFL commissioner, Roger Goodell. Uh, came out yesterday or the day before and is still somehow denouncing concussions and the overall health of NFL players. Hey, Jerry Jones. Um, yeah, he came out and... He came out with a quote the other day that said, um, NFL players live, the average NFL player lives five years longer than you. No, they don't. No, they don't. (laughs) So he is still out there trying to say that the NFL players are overall more healthy than the average person, that these concussions are not causing them to die early deaths. And so he's out there still trying to flaunt his thing and promote the NFL and say that it's not dangerous and sign your kids up and get out there. So Roger Goodell, that's my bold strategy for the week. It's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for him. And this comes like a week after this comes like a week after a study came out that 90% of the brains that they studied from former football players Showed no, was, that they it had ninety nine percent. It was a, was it? Oh yeah, it you're right. Ninety nine percent. Twelve, I think. Insane. So tell the truth. I, I I have I have made peace with myself. I like to watch other people violently crash into each other and knock each other unconscious. I still think that there are so many people in this world who are great athletes and would rather play football and make a ton of money then do other jobs. So the NFL isn't going anywhere, but let's stop pretending it's 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 a safe game, that it cares about the people who play the game because it, it doesn't. And that's all. Well, how about Jamal say. Jamal Adams the other day? Yeah. He did an yeah. interview <laughs> sitting right next to Roger Goodell, asked about CTE and said, what better place to die than on a football field? <laughs> what? Are you serious? Oh man, some people have that mentality yeah, that, though. And, that's, that, and like, that's what I mean. Some people would rather do that than work a regular nine to five job. So there's never going to be a shortage of 
people in the NFL. There may be a shortage of talent in the NFL, but we're right. always going to love watching six, five, two hundred forty-pound men running into each other at very fast speed. So I don't see it going anywhere. Uh, my bold strategy today goes out to the Adidas company. As Andy, you talked about that. Uh, I don't even know what what words to use to describe him anymore, and I really don't even want to use his name in this segment because I feel like it's giving him credit where just just to bring his name in the light, and I don't want to do that, but. Um, a certain father of a certain future NBA star and hopeful potential in his eyes, NBA stars, was coaching an AAU game this weekend, and there was a female official who gave him a tech because he's probably being a dick, and he pulled his team off the court again and demanded that she be removed from the game for a, a male referee. So... Uh, Adidas was sponsoring this camp, and one of the Adidas reps there made sure she got pulled, and they brought in a male referee. And I just think that is the biggest bunch of bullshit I've I've heard. You're Adidas. He's one man, and you just you crumble to him because he's a misogynistic asshole and thought that the, he even. I mean, he had, he had a chance to make it right, and he came out either today or yesterday and said. Oh, I'm sure she's a great ref for women's, but this is this is men's basketball. First of all, you're coaching 14-year-olds, not men's basketball. You're coaching children and saying that she needs to stay in her lane. And and I, I just could not believe Adidas tucked their tail between their legs and granted this guy his request. So Adidas, yeah, absolutely it's ridiculous. a pretty bold strategy on your part. So bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for him. Nicely done, gentlemen. And that brings us into our final segment of the this episode. The GOAT. <coughs> Which, we've done one before. Uh, we take three categories. Each of us gives what we think is our greatest of all time in said categories. So today we have candy bar, basketball shoe, and movie villain. So which one you guys want to start with? Candy bar. Candy bar. All right. Candy bar. First of all, do... define a bar. Um, I mean, pretty much the way I looked at it was... I'm stretching that definition. Yeah, me too. Um, anything that consists of chocolate and some sort of filling... Okay. No, that's perfect. That's so, all I needed to know. Like, all right, I'm gonna go first then. Okay. All right. Well, you're probably gonna steal mine. Then. Probably <laughs> stealing mine too. All right, my goat for candy bars, which again I'm going to stretch that definition a little bit, is going to be Reese's peanut butter cups. Fuck. So can, can we just say right now, unanimous goat of candy bars? Pretty much. Yeah, I guess that's a good point. I mean, I'll still go come up with something. But, yeah, yeah. Right. Right. But yeah, that's unanimous. Um, it's the best. And I I thought about it for a while, whether or not I was going to do that. But I'm glad you guys all, all wrote down the exact same thing. Because I consider it a candy bar. It's sitting right next to the Milky Ways, the Snickers, and everything like that. But it's the best combo. Just the chocolate and the peanut butter. It's so plain and simple. But it is so goddamn delicious. Mmm. I agree. I, I have no, I have no argument with you there. 
Um, but Pat, go ahead, and we'll, we'll try and come up with some just, just for the sake. All right. So with my number one taken off the board, just for the sake of argument, I'm going to go with Snickers because just the chocolate caramel with the peanuts in it, it's great. It's good, irregular. It's great frozen. Frozen Snickers are phenomenal. Can't go wrong. Oh, I, frozen Snickers are the best. Good call. I didn't even think about that. They have really good marketing, too. Their commercials are yeah, hilarious. They, do. they really do. So I, I've never had a Snickers and been disappointed, so I'm going to go with Snickers. That's a great That's a great little caveat to bringing up their, their ranking is their advertising is fucking phenomenal. phenomenal. I could not agree with you more. Um, all right. I'm going to go one that I feel it's probably always in my top five to top seven. Doesn't get a lot of love. Um, I'm gonna bring Butterfinger in into uh, to Ooh, my. I had it on my list. I'm, okay, okay, I'm a big okay, fan. Good. See, a similar same list. thing. Peanut butter, chocolate, different kind of peanut butter. It's not creamy. It's like a hardened peanut butter. You know, they've they've uh, they had their Butterfinger BBs and their. Dude, the BBs are the best. The BBs. Really? Oh, the BBs are so good. I don't think I ever had uh, those. They're not around. They were, remember Bart Simpson? Like yeah, it was all Bart did all those Butterfinger commercials. Yeah, they were. Yeah, I remember so that. Good. It so, was just like the little tiny balls, like Butterfinger in ball form. Um, huh. I mean, Reese's Cups is the king, so I don't have much of an yeah. argument here. Although Butterfingers are really good in a McFlurry or a shake from Smashburger. So there you go. Try that. There good you call. Go. All right, so then we'll go on to basketball shoe next, I guess. Jimmy, we'll let you go first this time. All right. Um, I don't own this shoe. Um, I've tried it on. I don't think it's it's super comfortable for me, but t- to me, the, the Air Jordan 1 is the greatest basketball shoe of, of all time. Um, fun fact, the NBA wouldn't even let Jordan wear it because it had red in it and it, it was against color regulations um, for the NBA at the time. He wore it anyways. I think he got fined. I think Nike paid the fine. They were able to work stuff out and the rest is history. I mean, that 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 man, Michael Jordan, Andy, you alluded to, 29 teams in the NBA have a Nike swoosh on there and one team has the most iconic symbol in, in, in sports of Michael Jordan. So I just feel like that shoe, those shoes are more popular today than they were 30 years ago or whatever. And they have so many different colorways for that shoe. Um, they mix that shoe with like Air Force Ones and other, and I, I, again, personally, I don't think it's super comfortable, but when you're talking about the greatest basketball shoe of all time, I got to give it to the Air Jordan one. Pretty iconic. Yep. Andy, you want to go? Uh, you can go ahead, actually, because mine might be dependent on what you say. Okay, well, just for the sake of argument here, I also had a pair of Jordans on my list as well. Mine was the Air Jordan 3. That's which, what I was going to say. Which I'm, I'm going to pick. Have, I'm, those I have. Yeah, and then I had those as well, so and those are nice. But, but just for the sake of argument, I'm going to go with a different shoe because... I know what you're going as with. As far as... Do you? I think I do. So... I think, I think you might know one that I was considering, but I what it came down to me is I actually wanted to go with a shoe that I actually wore playing basketball before. So, yeah. okay, wait. Um, but before you say it, can I guess either what this is or one of or what one of them were? 
Yeah, go ahead. Not was on. it was it the Scotty Pippen air up tempo? Ooh, that was that was on my list, but it didn't make my top three. Okay, all right. That us? No, it's not the Dada's either. C dubs. The C dubs were awesome, but. Jimmy, you'll be happy to know, too, that the Nike Flight Posit 3, better known as the Circle, oh, the circle shoes, shoes, we used to call them, yes, we did. were on my list. But I'm going to go with the Nike Zoom Flight 98, better known as the Son of the Glove. Ah, Gary the zipper shoes. shoes. Yep, his first signature shoe, which, if you're not familiar with them, they had a really cool design um, when you would pull the... Sh- the, I guess the coat down or whatever you would call it, but then it zipped up like tight because his nickname was the glove. I had those in sixth grade, I think, and those are extremely comfortable. They looked cool. Uh, when I wasn't playing basketball, I would unzip them and just lay the flaps down so you could see the inside of the shoe. So for me, those are probably my one of my favorite shoes that I've ever worn. So I'm going to go with Nike Zoom Flight 98, the gloves. Andy, before you go, I want to have a quick shout-out, which also made my list. I hope this isn't stealing your thunder. Pat, you remember these because we used to want these shoes too. The Dennis Rodman Nike Indestructs that tied on the side. They had a Nike swoosh over the whole front, but you, you tied it on like the inside right, of each shoe. Those. They actually just re-released those this year. Very nice. All right, so, Pat, I was also going to go with the Jordan 3, but just for the sake of bringing up something different, I also, my second choice was something that I wore while playing basketball, and it still goes down to this day as one of my favorite shoes. It was the most comfortable shoe I've ever worn in my entire life, but I still think the design is awesome because it was so simple. Um, and it was the T-Mac 2. Love those shoes. I thought about those, too. Those are great. Pat, you had those the in T-Mac, blue, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, I think everybody had a pair everyone, of those. Yeah, everyone had those in, like, seventh grade. Right. The T-Mac one was the black with just the solid blue stripe right. going down the side. I had the, the one T-Mac, and twos, I think. Yeah, the T-Mac twos then took out the filling of the stripe and were just, it was like, a like five lines angle, going. Right. right. Yep. Yeah, those shoes were so sharp-looking, and they were so goddamn comfortable. They were my favorite shoe that I ever owned, and still to this day, whenever I go basketball shoe shopping, I try and find like an old pair of T-Mac 2s that are reasonably priced, like on eBay or something like that, and for some reason, they're still selling for like 200 Because they were an amazing and, shoe. It's a great You're shoe. Yeah. wrong about that. They, See, they were yeah, really I really like this category because like growing up, one of my favorite times every year was when I would go get my basketball shoes before every season because I would just get so excited and... And at the time, it's not like nowadays where you had the internet. You would just go to the shoe store and you would find like the coolest looking shoes. Right. And it was it was amazing. My my favorite pair of shoes I ever played in was low top and one tai chi's. And one. And one. Nice. They, they nice. were they were it was the shoe Vince Carter wore when he won the dunk contest in uh, Toronto. They were red on the inside and white on the outside. Oh yeah, those are cool. Yes. Love I this. had the Nike Shocks on my Nike list Shocks. too, lower down, but Ooh, those were just were awesome. Another ev- Vince everyone Carter wanted shoe. those. Yeah, everyone wanted those when they came out. Yeah, th- those were awesome. But all right, so we'll move into our final category, which is movie villains. This is another one where there's a lot of different uh, people that you could choose. There's this a lot might of... get out of hand. I have a yeah. feeling this is going <laughs> to get a little out of hand. So, anyone want to go first, or should I take a stab at it? Go ahead. Go for it. So, I thought long and hard about this one, and I have three on this list that 
I, I really had a, a, a hard time deciding on just one. But to me, uh, at the end of the day, it came down to the actual acting performance. So I'm going to go with the Joker. Heath Ledger's the Joker in The Dark Knight. I... He was my original pick yeah. until I thought longer and harder about it. He so I'll give you he that. He was one. mine also, and then I was like, "No, you guys are gonna crucify him because I didn't even put that movie in my top five, <laughs> so I'm not I'm not gonna go with him." But yeah, Pat, there's I mean, you, that that that's a great pick. All right, Jim, go ahead. Yeah. All right, so I, uh, man, I, I I too had I had three guys on my list. So the first, well, I'll, I'll tell you the other two later. I don't want to steal yours, Andy. My ultimate villain is Darth Vader. He was number two on my list. Just a great fucking bad guy. And that's all I have to say. Yeah, he's, as, as far as, like, iconic goes, Darth, or Darth Vader's probably the most iconic bad guy of all time just because... You know, Dark Knight was a later movie and kind of grabbed the younger crowd. But Star Wars spans over so many ages that right. that's like the quintessential bad guy. Agreed. Um, he was he was also on my list. Um, so both of those guys, pretty pretty high up there as far as the goats go. Um, I went a different route, and I actually had two that I was thinking about putting in here. Um, my honorable mention is going to be Judge Smales from Caddyshack. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I decided to go a different route. Um, And I went with probably the the most ruthless villain of all time, and that is Scar from Lion King. Wow. He was a dick. Huge, huge dick. Really no motive for killing Mufasa, and it was just freaking ruthless in lion king yeah that's a so, really that's a really good call. i like that I, I like that a lot my goat bad guy is going to be scar pat from pat who else was on your don't, list don't have um me. my third don't i had me. lord voldemort from the harry potter series okay just because very well played by ray fines and to me similar to darth vader almost i really like the connection with the hero of the movie to where those two are physically connected through Harry Potter's scar and he can feel when Lord Voldemort's up to no good and he's literally just about complete domination. Like His goal is to take out all the good in the wizarding world and just replace it with pure evil. And who's your other one? Oh, you had Darth Vader, you said? Yeah, those are my top three. All right, my other two honorable mentions, I'm sure, are going out a little bit on a limb here. Um, my number three was Hans Gruber from Die Hard. Yeah, I thought uh, about him too. And I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure we'll talk about him later in the, in the coming months in a segment that we have. And my second one was the T-1000 from Terminator 2. Just oh, yeah. a yep. straight killing machine. I also thought of Hans- putting Sauron on from Lord of the Rings. but Oh, that would have been a good one. He's not featured enough for me. I was thinking of uh, also Sid from Toy Story. Ah, oh, that's true. Weird, also a total weird dick. villain. That, that that's good. Yeah, weird, weird kid. He's a weird Super guy. Super weird kid. Weird guy. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's a good reference right there, Jim. 
So that's it for the GOAT. We'll post these on Facebook and see whose list you guys like the best or what you guys would put as your GOATs for Candy Bar, Basketball, Shoe, and Movie Villain. We're going to do a quick rapid fire, then wrap up the show. So let's see. First we got uh, Yoan Mankata was removed from the White Sox 7-6 comeback victory last night after a scary collision with Willie Garcia. Just straight up need the dude in the dome so hard. Yeah. And like saw the future future of the White Sox just flash oh my before God. my eyes. It was a really scary ten to fifteen <laughs> so minutes until X Rays gets carted off and poor Willie Garcia with a concussion just laying on the field. Like, yeah, no one gives a right? shit about that guy. Right. But <laughs> X rays were negative and he's day to day with a knee contusion. Willie Garcia has a concussion yep. actually, so yep. that sucks yeah. for him. Yeah, that's what I mean. Um, he didn't even get any attention. Right? Look, looked like his face was broken. Yeah, right. Seriously. Oh, God, that was bad. Uh, left tackle Brandon Albert, who was traded to the Jacksonville Jaguars this offseason, retired the day after Blake Bortles threw five interceptions in practice. I would probably retire too. <laughs> yeah, he saw what was to come and decided, fuck this, I'm not going to further myself towards CTE. Um, Allen Iverson was a no-show to the big three this past weekend in Dallas, and pictures surfaced of him at Rivers Casino, of yeah, all places, the night dough. before, until like 3 or 4 a.m. So not a good look for the big three. I feel like he's been really underwhelming. They just used him as a big name. He hasn't really been playing much, even. Ice Cube's going to have to use his AK today. <laughs> today was a good day. And NCAA ruled now former UCF kicker Donald De La Hay ineligible due to him advertising on his YouTube channel and making money off of it. Such bullshit. Uh, such bullshit. He's a marketing major, so it kind of plays into what he wants to do after he graduates. And again, the NCAA continues to be Nazis about this kind of stuff. Such bullshit. So hopefully, I hope this kid becomes a millionaire Me now. Too. And just gives a big F you to the NCAA. And that's our show. Thank you again to everyone who tuned in. We appreciate every single one of you. Yes, we to do. Hear, we do. We truly do. And to hear more from us during the week, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm at RiledUp17. Andy is at AndyBob17. And Jimmy is at JimmyRiley underscore. Visit our page at brosletstalk.podbean.com. That's brosletstalk.podbean.com with no apostrophes. Subscribe to us on iTunes and Google Play Podcasts and leave a review with a challenge you want us to see to see us do for Challenge Accepted. We will be filming another one in the next couple weeks, so send us some ideas. For Jimmy and Andy, this is Pat. Later, bros. See you, dudes. Peace. We're the three best friends that anyone could have. We're the three best friends that anyone can have. And we'll never, ever, 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 ever leave each other. I just like the same thing.